Hi, I'm Mina Savari, and you're listening to the Harb Squad Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, episode number 250. Happy Halloween, everyone. Tonight, we are going to be reviewing The Curse of Bridge Hollow, currently streaming over on Netflix, and Hellraiser, which is currently streaming over on Hulu. Uh, We are toddlers tonight. Unfortunately, he's feeling a little under the weather. So tonight, I am here with Steve. What's up, Steve? Uh, What's going on, Joe? It's... uh. It's crazy. I know it's it's been a crazy uh, few days. So, uh, yeah. So sorry that Todd can't come, but I totally get it. I mean, he went, he had crazy flights and a jam-packed weekend to deal with. So, rest easy, Todd, and look forward to having you back next week. Definitely. Uh, so, I mean, let's just go get right into it because I'm sure we have a lot of new listeners, thanks to Steve, because he was given the spiel all weekend that are maybe listening for the first or second time. Thanks for. St- sticking along if you listen to some back episodes and are back with this but everyone i'm sure is very excited to hear about our big event with omri cats so steve why don't you give us a little breakdown of it and then i'll give my thoughts too uh it was the most surreal weekend of my life like it just like it was one day basically of just you know we started at well i i left the hotel at 7 30 in the morning and got back to the hotel at 1 30 in the morning and there was basically no break in any of that uh it was just a crazy weekend so what we're referring to of course is that we invited omri katz uh max dennison from hocus pocus to salem for a few events so what we did is we started and brought him to the hocus pocus locations uh, including uh his old house the uh, allison's house we had the town hall and the school are the four locations that we brought him to that are all within kind of walking, well, mostly walking distance from Salem. I mean, his house is a little bit further, but still, you know, within a few minutes of each other. So that was really awesome. It's funny, the first two locations, no no one recognized them. We kind of went in there incognito. People were actually waiting for pictures to take pictures of the houses, not knowing that he was like standing right in front of the house they're kind of just waiting as if he's just someone else taking a picture of the house. So I feel bad for them a little bit, but we didn't want to cause anything. So, but by the third location, uh, the town hall, uh, he got spotted. <laughs> and that's when people, we got followed by paparazzi. It was a, it was this whole thing, but uh, we're going to have some great pictures and an article on bloody from bloody disgusting to discuss all that. Um, and then we had our signing at silver moon comics, uh, which was where I met a lot of uh, the listeners and because I was, if you're wondering which one I was, if you were at the event, I was the one standing at the front of the door, probably pitching you on this podcast and kind of asking questions and chilling with everyone. And yeah, it was amazing. Uh, Omri signed for like seven hours straight and it was nonstop. The line was never like stopping. <laughs> it was insane. It just so many people came out and that was an amazing experience. And then finally, we had a screening. We screened Hocus Pocus 2 at Cinema Salem. We had some amazing food from the crypt, and then we had a little bit of a Q and A. So that's Hocus kind Pocus of a... one, you Hocus Pocus, Pocus one, yeah. you mean? <laughs> did, did I say two? Yeah, you said Hocus Pocus two. Oh no, yeah. maybe you meant Hocus Pocus two T O O. Yeah, yeah, that's why I meant. Not, it's not, it sounded like the sequel. <laughs> no, the, the the original Hocus Pocus, the better one of the two, and uh, yeah, and then we had a little bit Q and A with Omri, and 
that was kind of the event. Uh, we did some stuff with Omri separately, which we'll talk about maybe a little bit later. But uh, what do you think of the event and all the events that happened during that day and that weekend? Wow. That's all. I mean, wow is the first thing that comes to my mind. I'm just like absolutely blown away. When you plan something like this, you just never really know how it's going to go. You know, is it going to go great? Is it going to go terrible? Is something bad going to happen? Is anyone going to show up? You know, you have no idea. Uh, You know, I had a good feeling it was going to be a pretty successful event just by the sheer popularity of Hocus Pocus and it being in Salem. But there's still, you know, did I, did we do enough to promote it? You know, you just never know, you know, cause we're, we're, you know, we, we're not like a huge publication or anything like that. So trying to spread the word out there is literally just us jumping. You know, I, I literally joined like every single Hocus Pocus group I could, every single Salem tourist group I could. And I'm like, hang, hung posters all around Salem and stuff. And I'm like, you know, hopefully this is enough. And, you know, I gotta say, <laughs> people answered the bell, Hocus Pocus fans, apps, and our listeners really answered the bell. Uh, and, you know, we can't thank you guys enough because it was an absolute amazing success. The amount of people that showed up at Silver Moon and just shout out to everyone who helped us. Um, obviously, Steve and Todd for coming out and helping. But, you know, Steve was great in keeping the line in control in the front. And then we had um, actually one of my old neighbors, Megan, shout out to her. She helped uh, with the back of the line control. And then Alex from uh, Bloody Disgusting and Broke Horror Fan for, you know, he was just supposed to be there to take photos at the beginning and then see us after the screening. He stuck around for the entire event, helped take pictures and just, you know, helped make sure the event was running smooth too. So huge shout out to him. And then shout out to... uh, uh, our new friend Jr. from Steve. Do you know the name of his podcast by chance? Yeah, it's the uh, Ewing Barbecue uh, podcast, which is a Dallas-inspired podcast. So uh, that's Josh. Yeah, amazing dude, and so happy he got to meet him. He uh, came w- you know, with Omri uh, to the event as someone that Omri knew previously, and he stayed and helped us so much. And the feedback I got is like, man, he was so nice. He helped us get a picture. So huge shout out to him and Alex. You know, like you said, just both amazing helps and unexpected help so that was right (laughs) fantastic and great guys so thank you very much definitely so yeah i mean like i said we we opened up the line or it was supposed to the sign was supposed to be from one to five we ended up opening the line at 11 30 because the line was already huge and it literally did not stop until five o'clock where we had to actually cut the line and we even let a few extra people in who were kind of like strag like hanging around hoping they could get something at the end and we even let them in and stuff but that's all thanks to omri because he was one of the best people we could have hosted he was so cool so down to earth so chill you know we went out to dinner with him after had a great conversations with him and stuff and i was i mean just quite possibly one of the best weekends we've had with this podcast definitely the you know and i just i mean i'm just still kind of in in shock and awe of how perfectly amazing it went like just because nothing went wrong it was really just everything just went perfectly and I'm, I'm just so ecstatic and happy and i hope you know this opens the doors to us getting some other events in the future with other guests and stuff like that so yeah once again just just thank you to everyone that helped us i i have to thank of course the crypt who really helped us put this together as well as silver moon comics cinema salem and of course sam uh, from Halloween happy, but, uh, yeah, thank you to all of them. Uh, we couldn't have done it without any of you guys. It was just, just an absolutely amazing weekend. Yeah. And you know, I, I met a lot of people in the line 
uh, just over the weekend and stuff. And, you know, you do this show and you record every Monday, release on Friday. I edit for God's like five, six to eight hours a, a week on it. And you kind of forget like that people actually listen to what you're doing. You know, it, it kind of gets lost on you after a while because you're just basically like a machine that keeps going and going. And the amount of people that came up to me and said that they're listeners, that they love the podcast and they love this episode and that interview. And it was just, ah, man, I, I didn't know what to say. I was so like thankful. It's, it's crazy. So thank you everyone who came up to me and high five me and shook my hand. And uh, even those who are new to the podcast, like that took our little flyer and said, they're going to listen. And yeah, it's, it's overwhelming. And I'm so thankful for all of you. So thank you very much. It was amazing weekend in Omri. I, like Joe said, just the coolest person ever. Uh, so chill, willing to do everything, you know, it's just, and then we got to chill with him, um, you know, kind of one-on-one uh, after. And that was awesome, you know, because we got to talk to him like as like a person, you know, just about life. And, you know, it wasn't like an interview, you know, it was like really just talking to him. And then it was amazing. I, one of the best weekends of my life, absolutely easily. Definitely. And I, I have to shout out Steve's wife as well, because she was an absolute amazing person, helped, you know, all weekend and stuff like that. So uh, shout out to her as well. And also just, an, you know, kind of a personal shout out to um, Melissa and Weezerface, uh, mm. two, two listeners that have been listening for a long time. We talked to them on the Discord all the time. We got to meet him, um, me for the first time. I got to meet both of them. I know Joe had met uh, Melissa before. So just, yeah, it was great meeting you and can't wait to meet more people in Texas next year. So that'll be awesome as well. That's probably the next horse squad thing that we're doing. Uh, we're not hosting a signing or anything. We're just all hanging out at Texas Frightmare uh, weekend in May of 2023. So yeah, that's, that's going to be a fun time as well. That's right. I'm officially going to call it the official horror squad podcast meetup. So listeners, the whole squad will be there as well. So if you want to come hang out with the whole squad and fellow listeners, please come down to Texas Frightmare Weekend this coming May. It is Memorial Day weekend. I don't have the exact dates right now, but I believe it's like the 26th or the 28th. Just look up Memorial Day weekend next year, and we will all be there. They've already known John Carpenter, uh, John Kassir. They're doing a sleepaway camp reunion, and there's a bunch of more guests that are going to be announced. So, that yep, that's going to be, I guess, our next quote-unquote uh, event, you know, uh, I maybe unofficial event, but we're all going to be there hanging out. And I cannot wait to meet all the listeners and once again, hang out with Steve and Todd and Sam. So it's going to be just uh, another amazing time and stay tuned because I think we have some other big events coming up definitely next October, hopefully for sure. But hope maybe some other things, you know, maybe uh, a convention or something like that in the near future, where we'll have a table set up. So just once again, always just follow us on our social medias and listen to the show and We'll keep you up to date with everything. That's really about it for the event. It, I mean, it was amazing, and I'm still kind of foggy, hazy brain from the whole weekend, but also on cloud nine for just how incredibly amazing it was. And wow, <laughs> just thank you, everyone. I mean, we blew through so many stickers and magnets and everything. It was like, my God, we're going to have to order more now for our next thing because like, I, I barely have any left, which is amazing. I mean, because I think we had like, you know, over like four or 500 stickers and magnets and we, we went through, people were just like grabbing them, snagging them. They loved them. So thank you so much um, for grabbing all of our 
our stuff too. And people who grabbed our exclusive Hocus Pocus prints for the event and stuff like that. That's awesome. I did get Omri to sign a couple extra. So we are going to be doing a giveaway. We got to figure that out soon, but you know, probably within the next week or two over on our social media, we'll be doing a little giveaway uh, signed Hocus Pocus print as well. So that's going to be very exciting. So yeah, Steve, why don't we get into some questions? Yeah, I just want to mention one last thing before we get to questions. Episode 250, you know, that's crazy to me that yeah. we're already at episode <laughs> 250. And just to kind of cap off the event, uh, this was the first time that the full squad was together in person. That's right. Uh, I'd never met Todd in person ever before. Joe, very briefly at in Texas, like what, seven years ago or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, anyway, like a long time ago. So it was crazy, you know, just to have full squad and... It's like we had known each other for a super long time, though. It didn't feel like I was meeting anyone for the first time. So that was uh, an amazing experience as well. And it actually occurred to me that I've met, including Sam, all three other squad members on the exact same spot. All three of them, for the first time that I saw them in person, I was in (laughs) Joe's parking lot, standing, watching them wait for me from their balcony. (laughs) It's it's weird. It's like, I guess it's just a thing. So yeah, it was awesome. So meeting Todd getting to see Joe and Sam again, of course. So awesome weekend. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so let, let's get into questions. So you can ask us those questions on social media at the Horror Squad Podcast or on our Discord. Our Discord, absolutely free. It's where we get to really hang out with a lot of our listeners. And every month we do a, a, a live hangout where we review a film in our what we call our movie club. And in fact, the movie club for this month is this Friday. So the day that this episode comes out, we will be reviewing Hellfest. So the way it works is we just at 9 p.m. Eastern time, I send out a link on our Discord for uh, Zoom and uh, everyone gets on. We talk about the movie that we're reviewing and then we hang out for a few hours just, you know, shooting the breeze and talking about horror and, you know, Halloween this time because there's a lot of stuff. Of course, it's the season. So if you want to join our Discord, just send us a message and we will send you the link. Like I said, absolutely free and it's a great people in there. So I highly recommend it. So our first question is an audio question. Comes to us from Chuck. So Chuck, what is your first question? Well, hello everyone. It's me, Chuck, aka Captain Amazing 85 from the Discord. Just here to let you know that I'm going to be in Irving, Texas, May 26th through the 29th at the Irving Convention Center. I'm going to be getting some autographs and meeting other horror fans and whatnot. And after that, maybe catch a special screening and a Q&A with the Horror Squad podcast. And don't miss it. Sorry, I really missed Omri's little little thing there. His little bit. I miss it. Um, but on to the questions for real. What was your favorite part of the event? So thank you, Chuck, for that. Uh, I absolutely love what you did there, uh, mimicking the Omri uh, ad that we've putting been putting in for the last two months there. So yeah, I'm definitely going to miss putting that ad in it. But don't worry, Chuck. You know, Deadly Grounds Coffee is back, back with a vengeance, and you will hear that ad at some point in this episode. So thank you for that. And as far as your question, uh, my favorite part of the event was probably just hanging out with Omri at the end. Uh, after everything was said and done, because we had that sense of satisfaction by that point. Like Joe said before, we were so worried about crowds. Are they going to be too big, out of control? Are they going to be too small? And we're going to feel bad that we brought Omri all that way. We really didn't know how it was going to go. 
So just seeing Omri's reaction to how well it went and our own like kind of just, okay, we can relax now. And just having, you know, sharing a drink and a little bit of food with Omri, my wife, Sam and Joe, unfortunately, Todd had to leave because he had a super early flight. But that was probably the highlight for me, just kind of sitting back and taking it all in. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a highlight. Definitely the one-on-one time just with with Omri, you know, just hearing his personal stories, you know, of his life and just like some behind the scenes stuff and stuff, you know, most people probably don't know about him. It was, it was super interesting. And definitely shout out to his company, The Merry Danksters. Go check it out. He's in the cannabis business now. He's, you know, he's a small business owner. He's really trying to get that up off the ground. So go and support Omri uh, any way you can. You can follow him, uh, Dankster Ohms, over on Instagram. So yeah, he, I know he's definitely, you know, building on that. So we wish him nothing but the best and success on that. One of my other favorite things, honestly, was seeing everyone's reactions, like how, like all the fan reactions c- coming, going through the lines and just, you know, everyone left with just a huge smile on their face. And th- I mean, that's a testament to Omri. He just, you know, was giving everyone hugs and just, you know, treating everyone so kindly and I, I just loved seeing you know there were people dressing up in character you know there were you know parents bringing their little kids dressed as Danny and stuff like that I mean there was some really great stuff we're gonna have some amazing photos too Alex took so many photos for the event so definitely keep an eye on our social medias we'll be posting a whole bunch of stuff but yeah absolutely loved that as well but yeah being able to sit down with Omri having lunch with him you know I took him to and from the airport and just the fact that he was happy he was he i mean he was more than happy i would say he was ecstatic with with how the event went he he took a chance on us you know and he even told us that you know uh you know he kind of went rogue on this event it wasn't something he would normally do but he was like you know screw it i'm gonna take a chance and see how these guys do it and see you know how salem is and stuff and it sounds like we exceeded his expectations and then some so i'm just ecstatic for that i mean i just i can't believe it and i'm so happy yeah. And, and also meeting the listeners, it was probably another highlight for me because I got to meet so many in that line. Uh, it was so cool just to definitely talk to people and yeah, good times. Yeah. Uh, one, one quick, quick thing. I also want to shout out Con Orlock's Nightmare Gallery here in Salem. Uh, they gave us a private little tour with Omri. They took us through the museum, which I mean, if you ever come to Salem and you're a horror fan, Con Orlock's Nightmare Gallery is the place to be. So shout out to them as well for taking us through. And Steve, his wife, and Todd unfortunately missed it, but we went back on Sunday and he took us into the macabre, Volt Macabre, which was super cool. So a lot of uh, occult stuff, which I told you guys about in the uh, Damien event, which was really cool too. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, that place is so amazing. Just so freaking amazing. Absolute must see if you go to Salem. All right, Chuck, what is your second question? And last question, since I had the the stupid intro, what would be your wish if you finished the puzzle box? Thanks, guys. Look forward to the episode. Have a good one. Oh, man, I kind of forget like all of the uh, things right now. I know there's like seven different things in this new movie or something you could pick from. Yeah, let's Um, just say you just get a wish like, you know, a wish in general, like a genie. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man, I'd probably just wish for. I think it's like a pretty, you know, basic one and stuff. And I know people say money doesn't buy you happiness, but I, 
I kind of tend to think that's bullshit. I mean, cause if I had a lot of money, I'd worry about a lot less things in my life. And I feel like I'd be, I'd be pretty happy. I also don't think I'm the type of person that would go crazy. Like I don't need like a ton of money, but like just the, enough money for me to just live comfortably and not have to worry about bills and all the little things, you know, in life that we unfortunately have to worry about. Yeah. My wish is for Chuck's surgery to go well. He's having surgery on on Halloween day of all friggin' days. So Chuck, you know, that's my wish, buddy, for you to get well. Money would be nice too. <laughs> if you if uh, the Cenobites can throw that in, I, I wouldn't mind. Actually, so I had a 10 hour drive on the way back from Salem. And I, I the way I buy lottery tickets is off my phone. And it sends you an email when you win something, but it doesn't tell you how much you won, right? So while we were in Salem, we got a notification that we won something. It was the first time in like a month or two months that someone won the uh, like the the jackpot. And I know it was in my province. So I wanted to check, is it me? Like to obviously the odds are that it wasn't going to be me. But I couldn't check because you have to be in that province to be able to check. So the whole car ride back, we like my wife and I were discussing what we would do with, I think it was uh, 70 million, you know, <laughs> just, uh, it'd be nice. You know, it'd be, there'd be a lot of things. These events would be a lot easier if we had disposable money. So, but Chuck, Chuck surgery, one wealth, two. <laughs> so Chuck, thank you very much for the questions. We always appreciate your audio questions. Uh, next one is from Zach from the Don't Be Crazy podcast. I recently discovered, I know I'm super late to the party, the VHS series. Holy shit. Amazing. Of all the short segments from all the films, which are your favorites? Additionally, did any of them scare you? Ah, oh, yeah. Great series. Well, I wouldn't say great. I mean, the first two really good. And then they start to go three and four, you know, whatever. But I'm excited to do 99. I, we're probably going to be doing that maybe next week, maybe the week after something like that it just came out. So very soon, I'm sure. But yeah, the ones that stick out, obviously, from part one is the one with uh, Hannah Fearman there. The, you know, vampire back girl thing, whatever she is there. Uh, what does she say? I like you. I think I like, I like you. you. Yeah. I like you. Yeah. That's yeah. so creepy. That, <laughs> I mean, that one, like that, I mean, I think that was like the first one uh, in the whole series too. I think that opened the whole thing and it was just like definitely saving the first for best on that one. That one's awesome. Also, I think maybe it's in VHS two. It's like the cult one where they go to like some other country and they like get into a, uh, discover like this cult and it's that one is really good and that one is actually has some pretty scary moments so those two for sure are the ones that pop out right in my head yeah the one with Hannah Fairman is probably my favorite one um, it's it's like you said it's the first one in you know the very first story in the first movie and it really hits you hard like it's a very good story it's kind of shot uh, found footage style and she's so creepy you know the way that she attaches to that guy and then becomes that creature but is still attached to that guy and i thought that was a really good one um actually one that i really enjoyed is from vhs uh 94 right that's the last one that came out uh the one in the funeral home i i really enjoyed so i i just have a thing about funeral home horror for some reason i, I always found funeral homes really creepy i remember going to them as a kid and always being creeped out uh the fact that there was a dead body in there and it just i don't know it just never sat well with me and i guess all the i've been multiple times over the years and it just i always get that weird like feeling in my gut so seeing funeral home horror also always like elevates it for me and that one was a pretty creepy story um it was my favorite one from vhs 94 which i don't think is one of the best ones but that particular story i thought was pretty cool 
I'm happy uh, you get to, you know, you found this series because I think there are some good ones. And I am psyched about VHS 99. I heard some pretty good stuff about it. So we'll definitely be reviewing that soon. Heading over to the Discord for the rest of the questions. First one is from Shaylin, little three-chord me. What is a TV show you loved that never had a Halloween special that you wish would, would have? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, I'm going to say Seinfeld. Seinfeld never had a Halloween episode. And then, like, they had, like, 12 seasons. And just I, Sam and I have been watching a lot of them lately. And I'm like, wow, they never had a Halloween special. So, yeah, I think that that would have been great. Yeah, I had the same answer. Uh, you know, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. And how I, I guess I get why they never did a Halloween thing because there's no kids involved in the show and they don't seem like the type of people who would be into Halloween. But it would have been nice if they at least acknowledged that Halloween was a thing once, you know, still an amazing show. I mean, I don't hold anything against it, but yeah, it definitely would have been really cool to have a Halloween episode, um, you know, a la Home Improvement and Roseanne, which I think are two of the best of the Halloween that and of course the Simpsons probably the goat of Halloween episodes with their Treehouse of Horror that's still going on to this day so that's freaking crazy um yeah so th that's my answer as well yeah um, I heard the new one the new one they covered like it for the entire yeah. episode so I'm, I'm excited to watch that one I haven't seen it yet but that's really cool also um a little off the cuff show Freaks the Geek Freaks and Geeks which only lasted one season had an amazing Halloween episode it's one of my favorite Halloween episodes of all time so check it out if you haven't seen it God, that show really underrated and canceled way too soon. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, when we had dinner with Omri, he had mentioned that he was in an episode, and I don't remember him in it at all. And then we went on to something else, and I completely forgot to go back and ask him, like, which episode it was. So now I got to go and find that episode and see him in it. Absolutely. I have it on DVD, so I'll definitely yeah, check it out. Yeah, he did say that, that he was on that show, and God, that was a great show. All right. So, Jackie asks us i have a question about your event when's the next one i don't know nothing like in the works right this minute obviously uh, probably next october we'll definitely do at least one maybe two events that's kind of like our, our you know our sweet spot but we have some talks with the our friends at the crypt it will probably once again be in salem maybe for sometime in the summer or something like that so just you know keep an eye on our socials but like i said text frame your weekend be kind of the unofficial our squad you know meetup type thing so go and check that out yeah we have some ideas of what's going to happen next year but it's way too early to like actually discuss any of them because i don't like to discuss things until they're actually like set in stone but if our ideas come to fruition it's going to blow your freaking mind <laughs> if i'm being honest it's 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 a lot bigger and it'll be a lot of fun but for now texas frightmare uh, and that's going to be a cool because the thing with this event is that we really didn't have time to like actually sit down and chat with people. You know, it was kind of like a really quick interactions in line. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of people to manage. It was just a lot. Whereas in Texas Frightmare, you're really going to get a chance to just sit down with us, chill, you know, and have fun. And so that's going to be the event if you really want to just hang out. But if you want to meet a celebrity and kind of do another thing like this, yeah, I think next summer, next October is probably when we're going to do that. 
Yeah, I I got I apologize to anyone that tried to have a conversation with me on Saturday cuz my literally my mind was running in a million different directions so I was like trying to listen to people but I was also like thinking about a million other things. So if it seemed like I was kind of checked out, like it totally was not intentional, but I had so much on my mind and I think, you know, between the stress of the whole event and trying to make sure everything was going well and stuff. So, yeah, Texas I'll definitely be a lot more I think chill. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Her next question, question about Hellraiser. So we'll give a vague answer for now, but I'm sure we'll answer this in more detail once we review it. Where do you think it failed compared to the original and in what ways do you think it excelled? Yeah, good question. You know, without, obviously, we'll, we're going to go more into depth later. So for now, I'll just say in the story. Yeah, I'll say uh, the way it failed a little bit compared to the original for me is everything outside of the, the Cenobite scenes uh, I thought was more interested in the original and in the way that it excelled as I thought the Cenobite stuff was sometimes better than in the original but that's all I'll say for now uh, we'll talk about more of that once we review the film but thank you Jackie for the questions next one are from Cody odd job versus 007 now that you've all been in the same room together at the same time what was everyone's drink of choice or did everyone stay professional Ooh, we stayed professional, you know, really. Uh, we didn't drink at all during the signing. Uh, the cinema, which shout out to Cinema Salem. They were very kind to offer us free drinks during the screening and stuff like that. So I just stuck to pumpkin beers, uh, you know, had a couple of those during the screening. But yeah, no, we, we kept it strictly professional for this uh, event, which was awesome. And we really didn't even get into the Q&A, but thank you to everyone that asked questions during the Q&A too. We got a lot of great questions. Yeah, so the only thing outside, like I, we didn't drink at the event at all, really, other than one beer uh, before the the movie. But I did on Friday finally have was it Narragansett? Is that what it's called? With Joe and Todd in our hotel room, but it was so late that we just basically drank like half a beer and went to bed. But yeah, that's that did happen. So there, that's probably the extent of our drinking. And I did have a couple pumpkin beers as well uh, with Omri, uh, Joe, Sam, my wife. So. Yeah, so that's what we drank. Texas will be a different story. Unless they have weird alcohol laws. I, I don't know. I haven't checked yet. What's one thing everyone is looking forward to the next meeting? So the next time we all meet as a squad, he means not a next event. I don't know. Nothing in like particular, just hanging out more. Like, you know, we this was a very quick weekend. You know, we really only got to spend some time together on Friday, which I took uh, them around Salem a little bit. We went to the, the Ouija board museum, which was really cool. We went to uh, some of the, you know, sights and sounds of Salem. So doing all that was cool with them. But next time, uh, especially like when we do Texas, obviously, like it's just gonna be cool because we'll actually have time to sit, chat, and uh chill like you know we didn't chill at all this weekend really like it was just even like friday when we, we were like going about the town pretty quick and then by the time we sat down for dinner everyone was just dead you know from travel and stuff like that so yeah just just being able to chill with them next time will be great yeah absolutely that's the the one thing i'm looking forward to because like just said we had no time it was crazy it was just go 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 but speaking of that uh uh Ouija museum you know, it's, it's basically like one room with a bunch of Ouija boards on it. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if this will be interesting. Then by the time I walked out of there, I thought, wow, that was probably one of the most interesting things I've done in years. <laughs> there was a guy in there that was so fucking fascinating and knew everything about the history of the boards. And it was really, really interesting. So I highly recommend that place. Um, do you, what's the name of it, Jeff? 
Um, it's just it's just called the Ouija Board Museum. It's in God. I'm trying to remember what store it's in. I know it's next to a store called Why Nots Why Nots Wands, which is like a Harry Potter theme store. So basically, it's between um, if you ever go to Salem, it's between Crowhaven Corner and that Why Nots Wands store. Um, I cannot remember the name of the store, but you'll see a sign for the we the Ouija Board Museum is in the back of that store. And the guy we talked to is actually the curator of that Ouija Board Museum. Those are all his personal Ouija his personal collection essentially. So he is super knowledgeable um hopefully he's in there when you go to it because it, otherwise like steve said it's just a room of ouija boards and it's maybe not as fascinating but that guy knows his stuff and he is so knowledgeable and yeah he he gave us like his uh his own little our own little tour and gave us like a bunch of awesome information so yeah yeah absolutely and uh, cody's last question did the event go smoothly or will there be a different approach next time so is there anything you would change about the event, uh, Joe, like it didn't well, go super smoothly, but is there anything that you learned from this one that maybe you change for the next time? You know, I was, that's a good question. Personally, I, I don't think so. Like, I, I feel like everything went pretty smooth and pretty well. Like, I can't think of anything. If we do it the same type of way as this, you know, event on this scale, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I, nothing that's really sticking to my head. I mean, maybe there were actually, that's, you know, there, uh, we should have separated the event, our event posters with Omri's in the beginning that created a little bit of confusion. So I guess more just uh, signage, I guess, to avoid confusion and stuff like that. But other than that, I thought it went pretty smooth. Yeah, it was, it's really minor things. I think that would that would I would have switched uh, because we did have our own event posters that we were selling, but a lot of people didn't have cash. So they were just basically charging a dom, right? <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. And that, that's totally fine. It's just, you know, one of those things that we learned as we're going. So we never done anything of this scale before. And uh, yeah, but nothing major. I think the weekend went really smooth. Maybe a little bit of a break between events, which we didn't have at all. It was just go, go, go. So maybe that is one thing I would try to schedule in. But other than that, it went way smoother than I expected. It was pretty crazy how well this event went. So, yeah, awesome. Uh, next question are from Patty. First of all, I like all the Hocus Pocus picture sets. So we have a bunch of really cool Hocus Pocus pictures. And that's just the beginning because once Alex uh, releases his pictures that he took, there's going to be some really incredible stuff. Um, but she also asks, what are your thoughts of different way they did on Hellraiser? So just to, again, because we're going to review it. What are your quick thoughts on the differences between the Hellraiser and the original. I'm gonna wait. I'll wait until our review. So you people just wait. Just be patient and wait, and we'll get to it. All right, sounds good. Uh, next one is from Mondo. Scream Five versus Halloween Ends. Which is the better film? Ooh, man, <laughs> I didn't like either of them, but you know, oh man, this is tough because like. I, I probably liked Scream 5 a little bit better. However, Halloween Ends took the risk, whereas Scream was just pretty much the same thing. I guess if you're asking me what movie actually tried to do something different and like was a little more unique, I guess I would go Halloween Ends. But which movie did I enjoy more? I guess Scream 5. But that's a, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to go Scream 5 on this one. Uh, I think, you know, I didn't love Scream 5 but it felt like a Scream movie. You know, it gave us what we want out of a Scream movie. It gave us the return of the characters that we loved. It uh, did, you know, fan service that 
it was recognizable. It uh, we had some cool kills with you know Ghostface. It, it was a screen movie, you know. Um, now it wasn't a super successful screen movie in my opinion, but it's still it was still a screen movie. Whereas Halloween Ends went too far off the path. I think it was barely a Halloween movie. It was basically it looked more like another movie that slapped a Halloween name on it, you know, because Michael Myers was such an afterthought in that one so and the more i think about it since we did a review the hate the more i hate it so for a lot of reasons but um yeah so i'm gonna give screen five the bump on this one but definitely two of my most disappointing films of 2022 which i'm sure we'll discuss at the year-end show next one is from patty again what are you guys plans for halloween this coming week Ooh, yes. Well, I think the day we're recording this, or the day, I'm sorry, the day this release is on the 29th. Sam and I are going to check out the Salem Night Fair, which is hosted by Black Veil Tattoo, the, the guys who did my tattoos. It's like set, they do it at Pioneer Village, where, you know, the beginning of Pocus Pocus was filmed. And there's like a bunch of uh, spooky, like, horror vendors selling stuff and they have like a bunch of people dressed up in costumes and stuff like that so that should be really cool i'll try to take some videos and stuff and i'll maybe i'll post it up on our instagram stories i'm gonna try to like do more with our social media this year especially like on instagram with stories and stuff like that because right now it's just kind of like just like our podcast stuff so i'm gonna try to branch out and do some more interesting stuff on there so definitely follow us on our instagram and whatnot for that yeah and then saturday we're going to the big halloween party uh, at the hawthorne at the Hawthorne Hotel in Salem. It's called, you know, it's the annual uh, Halloween ball. Sam and I go every year. It's the biggest Halloween party in town. So we're really excited for that. And then on Monday, of course, Halloween day, we are just going to be downtown in Salem. I will definitely take some videos and stuff on that and post it on our, our Instagram stories and whatnot. So you can see the chaos and craziness of Salem on Halloween. Yeah, Salem this past weekend was free and crazy. I can only imagine what it's like on Halloween. For me, it's uh, it's all about just decorating my house as much as I can and, you know, giving candy to kids, you know, the, the traditional Halloween thing. Uh, outside of that, it'll just be watching horror movies, carving pumpkins, uh, that kind of stuff. So I usually reserve the Halloween weekend for classics. You know, yeah, I've been watching a lot of 2022 films lately, but I'm taking this weekend off and watching some of the more uh, recognizable horror films and stuff like that so looking forward to that probably had the original halloween which is an annual tradition i might watch Hubie halloween which is like a new tradition i really really love that one it really gets me into the vibe and some other stuff so looking forward to it uh, always love halloween yeah mm-hmm. i gotta say when we watched hocus pocus well that was like a surreal moment too right because we sat next to omri cats like while we were watching hocus pocus so that was like an amazing experience in and of itself and he was actually like you heard him laughing or like doing some commentary during the movie at times so that was really cool but man i gotta say like after re-watching that my rating for hocus pocus 2 goes like way down because <laughs> i'm like man this movie is so much better than the second one so my rating would go down now folks for those who listen to our hocus pocus 2 episode me, me too. I actually discuss Hocus Pocus 2 with a lot of people in mind. Uh, it's one of the big things that we talked about for with a lot of people. And yeah, I think uh, it just makes no sense. You know, uh, I, the really right from the beginning, the thing that makes the most sense is that in the first one, she does a musical number. You know, I put a spell on you, but it makes sense that she would know that song because they're singing it right before you know the skeleton guys are singing it. So she could have picked that up from there and just kind of riffed on it. Whereas one way or another, 
<laughs> in the second one makes no sense like where did they hear that song there's absolutely no it just uh yeah <laughs> anyway i'll watch it again next year though you know maybe with just a different perspective and everything but definitely keeps going down in uh, rating for me as well so the next question is from weezer face who we met over the weekend and she was awesome what would you guys look like as cenobites <laughs> wow great question i don't know i tend to think i would maybe look like the chatterer like i feel like that would be kind of my motif uh i'd probably look like the fat guy in seven you know the one who eats the spaghetti like with all the like stitches everywhere and just yeah that's probably what i would look like but with a beard that's he didn't have a beard and uh final question fuck mary kill it's been a while since we had one of these ends edition so halloween ends Corey, frank and Ronald, I know I don't why even can't, remember. Who Frank I was like, why can't Ronald I even are? think of Frank? Why can't, I was like, I was gonna say, who the hell is Frank and Ronald? I'm gonna have to IMDb this one. Uh, I think I, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> uh, let's see. So we all know Corey, of course. Yes. Uh, Will Patton is Frank, so uh, you know, okay. he's an officer. And where is Ronald? Is the dad? The dad, the dad? Who just want, yeah who just wants his spaghetti oh to watch action yeah films in his garage hell yeah i'm marrying the dad for sure yes. ronald that dude yeah. was awesome he was like he was one of the best characters in the whole movie <laughs> he was um and then i guess i'm going to kill Corey because you know fuck him fuck that character ruin the whole basically much ruin the movie and then i will fuck mm. uh the cop there whatever his name frank is that his name yeah there we go with his nice little hairdo right exactly tell me about his uh cherry blossoms in japan <laughs> yeah. um yeah same thing for me absolutely same thing but really mm -hmm. the important one is that uh you know we're just marrying ronald and watching action films in the garage eating spaghetti <laughs> just living the life you know so that's all the questions we got this week thank you everyone for the questions we could not do this segment without you and now the big return ladies and gentlemen it's what you've been all waiting for i know it's been months you all miss it it's finally here, an ad from Deadly Grounds Coffee. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Well, Steve, before we get into our little next little segment here, which I got to remind, which I forgot to remind everyone at the beginning of the episode, we actually have an interview attached to this episode. We had the joy of interviewing uh, Kevin Lewis, who came back. Of course, we interviewed him previously for Willie's Wonderland. And now he's got his new movie coming out, which is The Accursed. And we were able, very excited, to interview actress Mina Suvari as well from, of course, American Beauty, American Pie fame, among other things. So uh, we chatted with uh, the both of them. We actually did it the Friday before our event. Steve and Todd were actually here, but like I just interviewed them alone alone while they kind of watched it was kind of a weird scenario but we were like on such a time crunch and whatnot it was but uh, it was a great interview with uh the both of them so make sure to hang around until the end of the episode to listen to that but steve before we get into our little review of the accursed i have a question for you what did you think 
of meeting my mom for the first time. Of course, Patty, who, you know, is kind of become a a little famous mini celebrity on the show. Of course, we had our ghost episode with her. Of course, my mom kind of has a gift to where she, you know, can speak to the dead and whatnot. Uh, That is a super interesting episode. Um, I even found out stuff about my mom that I never really asked her about and whatnot. Uh, I can't remember the episode number. It was a lady in white episode. Do you know it, Steve? I just remember it was a lady in white episode. So yeah, it was our, it was our, it was a lady in white episode. So go back and listen to the interview with my mom on that, especially if you're into the paranormal in any way, it's actually the perfect episode to listen to for this time of the year for spooky season. So, but yeah, I, I just, I don't even know if I personally introduced you. I don't think so. Cause it was such like a crazy time when they came through, but I, I know you said, I think you talked to her for a little bit. So I just kind of want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So, so your dad actually introduced me. Uh, okay <laughs> to, to your mom uh, he came and got me and just wanted to talk to me and i so I, I spoke to both of them you know and it was so cool to finally meet patty and you know we, we didn't talk about anything like that kind of stuff i was just talking about how like happy i was in salem and uh, you know the event and everything like that but but she did mention that she was very very excited to come back on our show so nice. you know I want that to happen because I get DMs about that all the time. People love that episode and everything that she talked about. And she was so sweet. I really enjoyed meeting her, your dad, and the rest of your family. I also even met one of your friends, uh, the very one that you started that like That's horror right, group horror way committee. back in the day. Yep. Is it Mike? Is that his name? Mike. Yeah, my buddy Mike. Yep. Yeah. And that was really cool too That uh, because your dad <laughs> also introduced me to him. <laughs> yeah that's the one that joey uh used to do the videos with so yeah that, that was really cool it's awesome to see your family and very excited and psyched that i got to meet patty and talk to her for a little bit so yeah it was a good time and i cannot wait to have her back like of all the guests we've had you know you know savari now uh, kate bosworth <laughs> tony todd uh omri katz and all these big names and I only, oh, I don't only get, I get, you know, DM from time to time, but the one I get the most by far is Patty. <laughs> so <laughs> we need, we need her back, Joe. ASAP. We'll get her, we'll get her back. She seems like she's, she's ready to come back now. Maybe not as shy. And I, I actually, it'll be interesting to hear Todd next week when he talks about the event and stuff. Cause I know she kind of mentioned about his grandfather again, which uh, like they had a little conversation, which I like kind of heard off the side of my ear while I was doing something else. So I'll be interested to hear what she had to say about Todd's grandfather, who she kind of felt his energy uh, during our interview last time, but Todd kind of wasn't putting it together, I think, or something like that. So yeah, so you'll hear Todd's thoughts on that next week. Um, but yeah, all right, so let's get into our movie. Our interview, of course, with Kevin Lewis and Mina Safari was for the movie The Accursed. So Steve, do you want to give us like a little plot synopsis on this movie? Sure. A woman is hired, uh, she's like a nurse or something, and she's hired to take care of an elderly woman who's kind of like in and out of a coma in a secluded house. So uh you know, she goes there with her friend and she meets the, I don't really, really know what she was, she's like kind of the old caretaker or she was related to the, uh, you know, to the woman and everything. And that's played by Mina Savari. So they go in there and she's very like strict and she has all these rules and stuff like that. And the woman is clearly like in a coma. So she's like, okay, these are the things you need to do. These are the things that you have to take care of and you can't have any visitors. You have to live on a secluded cabin. There is a phone. It does work. And that's basically it. So this woman lives in this house for a little bit. I think it's for a week until that she can get transferred out of that house to a hospital. And, you know, it's kind of things are going normally. She's taking care of her. Once in a while, she goes to see the woman. But then 
weird stuff starts happening. And typically to these types of films, the phone stops working very conveniently. And then it just gets crazy from there. So that's kind of the synopsis of it. Uh, nothing too unique. Like I've, I feel I've seen this type of film before, but it did have its own kind of unique vibe to it as well. Uh, so Joe, what did you think of The Accursed? Yeah, so, you know, ultimately I was left disappointed with this one overall. Um, I thought it started very strong. I, I really liked the intro here with uh, Meg Foster and kind of the whole, you know, cool little intro curse scene with the demon and stuff like that. I was like, okay, that's really cool. This is like going in the right direction. Then after that, for me, it just like never got interesting enough again. Like I, I really felt like it was a chore to get through a lot of it. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of our lead actresses here. The two leads who were the uh, the main girl and her friend. I do think kudos to Mina Savari. I think Mina Savari was probably the best character and best actress in this entire thing. So um, she was definitely one of the biggest positives of it. I did like the demon design in this movie played by Troy James, I believe his name is, who is a contortionist. You might know him from uh, scary stories to tell in the dark as well he played the i don't even know <laughs> whatever you call him there but he was like the kind of backwards looking thing that's really creepy in that but he's really awesome in this as well but yeah i just it just i just wasn't feeling this one unfortunately so yeah overall for me this one's a, a skip i liked it more than joe did so i thought there was actually a lot to love about the movie i personally thought it was well acted but definitely mina savari being the highlight of this film she plays the creepy kind of old caretaker really really well a very uptight but like you know uh which is odd for me because she's also usually pretty outgoing in her films and stuff like that so that was a cool uh, character trait that she had in this movie thought it had some very memorable scenes i thought it was well directed like just the way the shots were composed and uh the way the flow was and all that stuff and there were a decent amount of scares. You know, there was some tension in this movie that I really enjoyed. I do think that the last 15 minutes of this movie are definitely the highlight. Uh, I thought it it actually ended well and creepily and kind of had some questions as to what the hell is going on, but in a good way. Uh, had some good body horror and had some good kills and stuff like that. So I did really like the way it ended. My problem with the film is I didn't really vibe with the story. I thought it was a little all over the place. It was a little slow and boring at times. Uh, there's parts of it where there isn't a lot going on, you know, because we're in a secluded cabin and it's really just one character, even though there is an old lady that's kind of, you know, there, but she's mostly passed out. So she doesn't do much. It's really just one person and we're riffing off that one person. And that wasn't super interesting. And so I felt they had like the right ingredients for a solid film, but never like because the script wasn't strong enough, never really got there. I think I do think it's worth checking out at least once, especially if it's on a streaming service, but it doesn't do anything enough to like stand out uh, I, with all the other stuff that I watched in 2022 or other films of the same genre. So I think it's worth checking out maybe if it goes on streaming. But outside of that, it's, uh, you know, it's an OK movie. Alrighty. Well, thank you, Steve, for uh, that review. And once again, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, our interview with Kevin Lewis and Mina Savari after the episode. So let's get in now to a little bit of horror news before we get into our reviews for tonight. 
quite a lot of bit of hard. We haven't done hard news in a long time, so I have a lot here, but I'll definitely try to keep it short because we are reviewing two movies tonight. The first big bit of news here is that The Conjuring 4 is officially in development. It is going to be the uh, same filmmaking team from the last movie whether that be is a good thing or a bad thing that's totally up to you i think me and steve uh based on our part three review is gonna say it is a bad thing but yeah i mean that's really all we have as far as news right now we'll definitely keep you guys updated but steve any thoughts before we get into the next story i mean conjuring one and two are two of my favorite horror films period you know of all time so I love this series. I'm definitely looking forward to a fourth one. But yeah, that third one, I did not like at all. Uh, it was my most disappointing film of last year. And I really hope that they can kind of learn what they you know, did last time and go back to the formula that worked before. I think the problem with the last one is that it was more like courtroom slash investigation rather than like ghosts. Uh, I hope they go back to more like ghosty stuff because that's what... Um, I, I feel that series is more about. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it because, you know, I think that they hopefully learned their lesson, but who knows? You know, after seeing Halloween ends, uh, you never know anymore. But uh, yeah, I'll definitely watch it. That's for sure. Sure. All right. Well, here is a big piece of news that just dropped today or the other day, and that is Tobin Bell is returning to the Saw franchise, ladies and gentlemen. Saw 10, of course, is going to be coming out October 27th, 2023. Perfect timing, right in time for Halloween season. And it was announced today that Tobin Bell is returning. Just a quick little quote from Lionsgate. Uh, The return of Bell to the franchise furthers Lionsgate and Twisted Pictures' goal of a film that captures everything Saw fans love about the franchise while also keeping them guessing with all new traps and a new mystery to solve. So, I mean, I think it's great. I think it's exciting. But how do they tie him into this movie? I mean, they've tied him in in many other movies, but of course he died in the third one. So... We'll see. But I, I think it's great. I, I'm excited to see him back. I think Christopher Walken has had a tape somewhere for the last 20 years. And uh, that's how they're going to tie in Tobin Bell. They're going to extract that uncomfortable hunk of metal <laughs> from Christopher Walken. And uh, that's going to be the story of Saw 10. Calling it right now. That, that's what it is. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, they, they've brought him back in really unique ways so far. I really like kind of the unique way they brought him back in the last real Saw movie. What was it, what was it called? Not Saw Legacy. What was that last Saw without, not not Spiral, the one before that. Do you remember what the title I don't was? remember the title. Oh, shit. Yeah, no, I that, can't remember. That, that one. <laughs> the, the last Saw before <laughs> yeah. Spiral, I thought was a right. unique way to bring him back. And I actually like that mm-hmm. angle. So if they can find a good reason to bring him back, I think it'd be cool. I love Tobit Bell. He's so creepy. It's 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 cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, follow this next story under something no one really saw coming, as we thought the Hell House Hell House LLC franchise was pretty much done after their last, uh, their third and final movie. Well, it has been announced that Hell House LLC is coming back. Of course, the very popular Halloween themed. Uh, found footage franchise will be coming back to shutter 
2023. This one is going to be titled Hell House LLC Origins. We are going to be getting uh, an origins story to do with the Carmichael Manor. So I guess before, you know, the haunts take over. Um, Yeah, could be an interesting story. I have not. I really liked the first Hell House. Hell House. The other two I thought were lacking a little bit, but I'm definitely down for an origin story here. Um, Yeah, Steve, thoughts? I really liked the first two. Didn't really vibe with the third one. I just don't know if this works for this franchise to have a prequel like that because the thing that I like about the Hell House movies is the found footage aspect of it all. So to have a prequel, I don't think they can go found footage for a prequel like that. So that's, I'm not sure how this is going to go, but I'll definitely watch it because I do love the series enough to check it out. And if you haven't watched the series, it's a perfect spooky movie to watch uh, around this time of year, especially the first one. Uh, really, definitely. really good one to check out. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'll still definitely watch this one. Mm-hmm. I would say an absolute great double feature for this time of the year would be Hell House LLC and Houses October Built. If you can watch watch those two back to back, the first of both of those i think those are two great like haunt style found footage movies so check those out both those out all right next story file this one under something we are absolutely going to be covering uh on this show in december the mean one has been announced which is a horror adaptation story of the grinch and going to be starring someone we had on the show recently, David Howard Thornton, a.k.a. Art the Clown, will be playing the evil Grinch in this one. Uh, it is going to be releasing in 2022. So in the mean one, uh, David Howard Thornton further cements his presence in horror history with this newly iconic slasher villain. So it sounds like the Grinch is going to become a slasher villain in this one. Very cool. Um, no other plot synopsis at this time, but I mean, you you get the gist of it. So sounds really fun. Steve, what do you think? I love it. I I, I yeah. love the idea of it. It's like the Winnie the Pooh one that is also coming out at some yes. point uh, mm-hmm. soon. I love that they're taking these classic children's characters and just ruining them for everyone in a good way, you know, because I really like uh, the concept. And I, someone asked me why we didn't ask David Howard Thornton about this movie when we interviewed him. Uh, we actually mm-hmm. recorded that interview like three weeks before we released it because of the embargo. And uh, we didn't know about it at the time is basically mm-hmm. why we didn't ask him. Uh, we definitely, definitely would have because this is right down our wheelhouse. And yeah, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> we will cover this movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can't wait. <laughs> Hopefully we get a screen. Maybe we get a screener and get David Howard on back on, you know, we could do the whole interview about that. So we'll see. Stay tuned. Ugh, how did I even not mention this yet? We see we've been so behind on news that I'm just finally starting to get stuff here, but file this under something I think most horror fans didn't think was going to happen, but it has been officially announced that trick or treat the sequel is in development, according, of course, to the original director, Michael Doherty. You know, from what I heard, it's like pretty much in deep development. Like this movie is going to happen. Super excited. You know, when it will actually release, we'll see. Maybe next October, maybe the following October. But wow, Trick or Treat 2 after... I mean, well over what a decade. I mean, it came out, the first one came out in 2009. So, you know, almost 13, 14 years later, this is finally going to see the light of day. You know, 
is it too late? Do you think it's too late? I, I personally don't. Like, I feel like the Sam character is still so relevant and he's got his merch has just gotten hotter and hotter every year. So this is probably the right time. Like strike while the iron's kind of hot. Cause I feel like he's still really hot right now. So yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Steve? Yeah. I, I don't think in this case uh, it's too late. I think it's because of the structure of the series too. The character of Sam can be immortal, right? It's just, he's masked. So it doesn't really matter who's under him. So that character can just live on into any movie and it's an anthology. So they can really do whatever the hell they want. It's not like Zombieland, which came 10 out, ten years uh, after, you know, between each other was like too late because the hype was gone. I feel that this one can just keep coming back every 15 years and be relevant. But I also feel it's more relevant now than it was back then. Uh, Spirit of Halloween has a ton of trick-or-treat stuff and there are so many trick-or-treat items out there that it's crazy that this hasn't come back already. So finally, we'll get to see it. Um, I'm psyched about it. Definitely. Well, file this one under. Is it too late? As uh, Jason Blum has officially announced that Five Nights at Freddy's The Movie is happening. They've already announced a director and the production date. So it looks it's looking like February 2023 which, uh, is when it's going to go into production with a release for some time late next year. I mean, what do you think, Steve? I, I just think like this is like a few years too late. Do people still enjoy the? I mean, I don't know. I was never a Five Nights at Freddy's guy, but is the demand, I guess, still there for a Five Nights at Freddy's movie? This is too late. This is way too late. Uh, they had like a two year period where it was really hot. But it's old news at this point. Graphically, it doesn't look great anymore. We've had movies similar to it. We had Banana Splits. We had uh, Willy's Wonderland, of course, with Kevin Lewis that have very similar vibes to Five Nights at Freddy's. It's too late. You know, they they missed the boat. Now, the name recognition will help them a little bit, but I still don't think it's going to be very successful. Uh, I'll probably check it out just because I like the subject matter. But yeah, I agree. It's They should have done this five years ago all righty uh, i put this next one uh just two more stories guys but uh, i put this next one in because we actually reviewed the movie for our valentine's episode a couple years back and that is mark Wahlberg's movie fear well it has been announced ladies and gentlemen we are getting a tv series that is going to be coming to Peacock. So told from conflicting points of view, the series wrestles with personal demons, hidden agendas, and reframes the he said, she said convention into a twist-filled suspense story about toxic relationships. I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it is. I just don't know if you'll be able to capture the same type of magic i guess that you know mark Wahlberg was able to bring to this series without him i don't know if fear will be as successful but you know we'll see what what actors they bring in and whatnot and you know maybe it'll be a decent little suspense thriller this is a weird one i don't know who, <laughs> yeah. the, who the hell asked for this uh it's such a weird thing to bring back i i would think to just do something similar and call it something else i don't know like who's demanding for a fear project uh, this late on? Does anyone really want to see a domestic abuse <laughs> film right now? I really, I don't know. The, the, when I read this, I was just like, okay, that's that's odd. I, to, we'll see, I guess, but I, I'm not excited about this at all. 
Mm-hmm. And for our final story tonight, had to keep it spooky for Halloween and file this one under Steve. Why haven't you bought this yet? As Harridan of Vodka has announced their very special Paranormal Reserve Vodka for the year, the Annabelle edition, as this vodka has been stirring in the actual Warren Paranormal Museum for the past 30 days. You can buy the bottles for $199 over at shopharridan.com so you can have your own very haunted bottle of vodka. So, you know, hey, if you want to spend 200 bucks on probably a $10 bottle of vodka just because it was in the Warren Museum for 30 days, go for it. But hey, why not? This is crazy. <laughs> what I'd buy it if it was cheaper and available in Canada? Maybe. But I love how it's like 30 days like that's nothing that's just it's so i guess they're desperate for money but you know good on them i'm sure it'll sell so it is what it is i'm not a big vodka guy anyway personally but uh i do have some crystal head just i always thought that was cool Mm -hmm. so maybe maybe this will sucker me too one day if ever i see it here well steve i should also mention it's limited to 666 bottles and might i also mention the 666th bottle which is they're calling the most chilling bottle of all Please tell Can me it was be purchased Annabella. for a very low price. Would you like to guess? Uh, $666. $13,000, ladies and gentlemen. Now, so with... it, is, it, is, it is packaged in a one-of-a-kind wooden case that is a replica of Annabelle's current confines. And yes, you can purchase it for the low price of thirteen grand. Now, was this bottle in the case with Annabelle for 30 days? Or else it's not worth it. I think that would be uh, what they should do. They should have Annabelle was... holding the bottle for 30 days. <laughs> right. And then so, maybe... This one was specifically placed directly in front of Annabelle's case. God, that's crazy. <laughs> Someone's going to buy it. So it's it's like, you know, I always told people when I used to, I used to be pricing for a long time and there are multiple, the, there are two ways to price something either very low so that it'll sell or so high that people start wondering, wow, I might need this because it's so high because it's a premium product. Even though it's the same fucking thing, it, there's like this weird price point where people get curious. So, yeah. Oh, Joe's just showing me a picture. Oh, come on. There's like a bunch of bottles right in front of <laughs> Annabelle. Like <laughs> that one is probably like an inch closer <laughs> than all the other ones and somehow jumped $13,000 in price. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh my god. Well, hey, someone you know, someone's gonna buy it, and yeah, I would maybe consider the two hundred dollar one because it's kind of a cool story, you know, and it's not like crazily expensive, but <laughs> we'll see. That's but it. that's it for uh horror news this week. Uh, happy Halloween, everyone! Happy Halloween! All right, everyone, so let's get into our reviews. We're gonna start with the Curse of Bridge Hollow, which you can watch over on Netflix. It's a 2022 film directed by Jeff Wadlow. Halloween comes to life. A Halloween-hating dad reluctantly teams up with his teenage daughter when an evil spirit wreaks havoc by making their own town's decorations come to life. So this is the story of a family who moves to a place called Bridge Hollow. It is a small town that takes Halloween very seriously it's also a town that is very desirable to people that keep winning awards for being like one of the best small towns in america so this family gets there around halloween time Uh, almost everyone has decorations they're very very festive 
they meet the mayor and then you know all all sorts of stuff happen so finally one the teenage girl which i think is played by erica from stranger things now that i think of it i'd have to confirm that but yeah i'm pretty sure that's what who she is so she finds this really creepy kind of turnip pumpkin thing um and then she lights it and of course because it, it looks like kind of a jack-o'-lantern and that releases a demon that starts putting his essence into nearby decorations that start wreaking havoc on the town and then it's up to her dad her friends and her uh you know other people in the town her neighbor and stuff like that to stop the curse and figure out how to bring the demon back into his little turnip thing and uh, save the town so that's basically the synopsis of this movie uh joe what did you think of the curse of bridge hollow yeah, so overall, I I thought it was cute. You know, it was you know it was a very like Halloween kidsy movie. It honestly gave me uh Goosebumps two vibes in a lot of ways. It kind of has like a similar plot where the Halloween decorations come to life. Um, I yeah, but overall, like I, I thought it was very cutesy. Um, it reminded me of like I feel like they were definitely going for a Salem, Massachusetts vibe a lot because I believe it does take place in Massachusetts too. I noticed some of the. I'm pretty sure it's it's Bridge Hollow, Massachusetts or something like that, which I felt like was pretty much a fictional Massachusetts town. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. There's some really fun moments here. Um, I really loved the Rob Riggle as the the crazy neighbor with all the crazy decorations. I love like his Walking Dead, like Rick Grimes thing going on. There was some good jokes here and there. Um, I did not think, I mean, I definitely like uh, Hubie Halloween vibes as well from last year. I do think Hubie Halloween is definitely the better of the two movies but i think this is definitely like a, a good one to watch um with the family at the, uh, this time of the year it had some really you know fun moments and definitely put me in the halloween vibe i'm a sucker for family friendly halloween movies i really really like them you know we reviewed a few on the show paranorman one of my favorites hubie halloween quickly became one of my favorites you know i just really love movies to take place over halloween and this one is right down my alley in that sense. So it's also nice that to watch something like a little lighter and something that could be like good for the whole family. It's not too horror, but it still has like some decent scares for a movie like this. So I like all that. Um, I like Marlon Wayans and uh, Kelly Rowland who play uh, the parents. And yes, the girl is Erica from Stranger Things. I, I, I just like thought of it now as I was talking about it, like, wait a minute, I think that was Erica from Stranger Things. So I really like the feel of it. I like that everyone has decorations. I wish my neighborhood was as decorated as this town. And I really like the idea of Halloween decorations coming to life. I thought that was a really cool angle that they did somewhat successfully, I'd say. It was cool to see recognizable um, decorations as well. Like I recognize some stuff that I've seen at Spirit Halloween. And uh, that was a really cool kind of th you know detail that they had. What I think I didn't like as much is some of the dialogue and the jokes didn't really hit with me. Uh, there are some dialogue choices that were kind of cringy and kind of like, okay, that's, I don't know about that. Uh, it's not very funny or that's not really, you know, advancing the plot much or they were overacting in certain situations and stuff like that, particularly Marlon Wayne's character. I think he was good in some scenes, like really funny, but maybe a little too over the top in others especially near the end. Uh, but I had fun watching it. Uh, you know, the variety of monsters, the action scenes, like the scenes where uh, it's, it's Rob Wiggle, right? The uh, the neighbor. 
his action scenes with the zombies and then later we had the spiders and we had the zombie football players as uh, Marlon Wayne goes after them with the chainsaw and stuff like that you know there are good scenes in this movie that I enjoyed but and overall I, I enjoyed it I thought it was cool yeah, I mean, you know, this is like a pretty basic one. There's not like a ton to talk about on this one, but I, I did like the um the whole like backstory in this one with um the uh what is she like a witch or something like that that kind of lived in the house and yeah, so I, and I liked what, tulip is that what it was kind of or whatever it was thing that was really cool. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just you know your basic little family Halloween movie, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really got much else. To say about it steve unless you do <laughs> yeah uh, what you think of the design of some of the halloween decorations that attack particularly the kind of final boss with the giant pumpkin head and he, he almost yes. looks like uh the headless horseman but with a giant pumpkin head on top of him like his suit did I loved it. yeah so you like yeah I, I loved it i thought that was fantastic i loved that design but most of the like design like the things you know the little like cats the flat cat that was running around at one time was really funny really cute but yeah that that like main pumpkin guy at the end was awesome i loved the scene with the spiders in the old folks home i thought that was hilarious yeah i mean it's just like a lot of like memorable scenes I, from i guess like what i don't know it just like you know i thought it was like good but there was just something i guess missing for me to make it like great and i mean i, I really can't put my f like foot down on what exactly it was maybe i just didn't you know i wasn't connecting with the characters as much in this one or something like that but yeah i don't know there was just something like missing for me to make this like a year-round halloween tradition but i still i still really enjoyed it and i would still watch it again for sure but yeah, I, I don't know. Do, how do you feel about that? Is this something you would like make your like a year tradition for you? Uh, probably not. I, I think you're onto something because I think I feel the same way. Uh, what was missing to me is that I didn't super like connect with the main characters. And I think the reason for that is they throw her into the story too quickly. We don't get really get to spend time with her at school, really like befriending these other characters and really like forming that bond where they then attack you know the character like the attacking zombies and the you know spirit halloween decorations and stuff like that i wish they had focused more on i guess the kids relationship rather than her relationship with her parents because i thought her and the other kids had more of a rapport ironically than her with their own parents i thought they should have just kind of stayed out of it a little bit now i get they were the bigger stars so they wanted to feature him more but I thought it was more interesting with the kids. I love the costumes of the kids. I, I, yeah, I just felt that th there should have been just more to them and the relationship. I love like the costumes that they chose. I like the guy, he's the guy from Hamilton, you know, Alexander Hamilton. And you have one as Gwen Stacy and you have, you know, the, I like the kind of jokes and the way that they were kind of riffing on what they were dressed like. And I thought there was just, there should have been more of the high school stuff. Cause I really enjoy that in all of these kind of, you know, um, spooky, less horror uh, Halloween stories. It's something that, I don't know, it brings me back to my childhood that I was missing a little bit with this because it was so focused on the dad. And I really didn't like the dad character. He was too over the top at times. Like sometimes he was funny, but when he's like saying the final spell, for example, at the end, he was so, too. he was like too much. I don't know, it just didn't sit well with me. So I will watch it again. I think, but just not 
annually. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I just think they didn't develop the characters enough for you to like care about them like as much as say, you know, Hubie. I feel like those were much like better developed, like all the characters, even like all the side characters and whatnot. So I, I definitely think that was uh, where this movie failed uh, the most, but where it succeeded the most definitely was in all of the Halloween decoration character set designs and stuff like that. That was all fun. I also felt like the town was too small. Like it felt way too small. Like there was really only that one little, little center town hall, which is like one of the smallest, like little town centers I've ever seen. It just, it just felt like too small to me. So I guess that's the, uh, the, my other like biggest complaint. Like I I feel like they should, they could have spread it out more and could have did more with that. But overall, yeah, a, a fun, definitely family movie to watch around this time of the year. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So what would you rate it? Uh, yeah. So overall, yeah. I mean, I had a fun time with this one. It didn't like blow me away, but it's something, you know, I would watch every few times if, you know, if it was on TV, maybe, I don't know if I would like go and grab the DVD, throw it in or something. If it was on TV. I'd probably watch it. so overall, I'm going to give this one a six and a half. And I'm at a seven, I would say. Uh, I, I think it's a decent film. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, like you said, I, I don't know if I'd go out of my way to watch it. And that's kind of a problem with Netflix in general. In my opinion, mm. for some reason, I feel like they get lost. You know, Hubie's a really big exception for me. But had this had like a theatrical release, even if it wasn't super successful, then a Blu-ray. And if I had the Blu-ray, maybe I'd watch it more. But the fact it's on Netflix, I don't know if I <laughs> would pop this in with all the competition that it has. You know, it's uh, right. I, I feel like for that, for legacy, for like watching it over and over, it loses something when it's just on a streaming service exclusively in austin they don't even do a blu-ray release for stuff like this so like i don't know if ub's on blu-ray you know i never actually looked into it but i, I don't know I don't, I, I don't think so netflix doesn't do blu-rays often so and that's a shame you know that kind of hurts from its future potential in my opinion but still i think you should watch it if you like spooky kind of intro to horror movies i think this is a very good one to, to start with it is a little bit scary maybe for children uh, if they have arachnophobia or they have like, <laughs> you know, uh, d- different fears and stuff like that, it's maybe a little bit too much. Like a not early, not early teen, maybe like ten to twelve would be a good age for this, I think. So, yeah, it's awesome. Okay, very cool. Uh, oh, speaking, uh, I should also mention since we mentioned Hubie Halloween, is that we had a little bit of Halloween Inception collision of two movies as actually Armory Cats. Uh, we did a photo op uh, of him underneath the Hubie Halloween lights in Salem Common. So you'll be able to see those pictures. Uh, we'll post them up on our Instagram. We might actually have that one from an unprofessional standpoint. I think Steve might have took that. I think I might have added it. So you'll be able to see it over on our Instagram or Facebook. Or I think yeah, I think Instagram and Facebook. I didn't post it on the Twitter, but you'll be able to see it there. So kind of a fun little two Salem Halloween movies colliding together in that one photo. So that was kind of fun uh, in of itself. But all right, Steve, let's get into Hellraiser now. All right. Hellraiser 2022, directed by David Bruckner, which you can find over on Hulu. I believe in the US, a young woman struggling with addiction comes into possession of an ancient puzzle box, unaware that its purpose is to summon the Cenobites, a group of sadistic supernatural beings from another dimension. So this story starts off with uh, a guy, he's at a party, and uh, he meets a woman there. And he's like, very impressed by 
the guy who lived there and his house and everything. And he finds out that the woman actually works for that guy. And she says, oh, I could introduce you to him. I'm sure he'd love to meet you. So he goes to do that. And he brings she brings him into this big room that has a bunch of ancient artifacts kind of in boxes, like a museum. And he sees in the middle, there's one box that's uncovered. And it is, uh, of course, our infamous uh, box from the Hellraiser series is sitting there. So he takes it, he gets cut by it. And then the, uh, you know, the man comes in and explains what the box is, says it's a puzzle box. And all of a sudden, these chains start coming out of nowhere, the walls open, and that guy is promptly killed by a bunch of Cenobites. And you come to find out that that man wants the final uh, wish that you get when you uh, open, I think it's all seven of uh, the victims, bring you to the final level where you can get a gift from God. Movie picks up six years later where uh, a woman is with her boyfriend and she's having trouble with uh, you know money and stuff like that, maybe on drugs and has a whole problem. She lives with her brother. Yeah, so she goes with her boyfriend and they go to steal the safe and inside the safe, they find the puzzle box. And of course they take it because they think it's worth some money. But as she starts like playing around with it, she gets cut and the Cenobites come up to her and say, you know, we're going to give you a chance to live, but you have to give us victims. So her job essentially is to find victims for uh, the Cenobites so that, you know, they can continue on with what they want to do. But she, of course, doesn't want to do that. She's a good person deep inside. So as she's trying to figure out the box, people in her life start getting stung by this box and they start getting killed by Cenobites as it gains its shape. And then it leads her to that original house, which is built almost like a big prison. You know, it's got like these crazy metal uh, contraptions that can open and close uh, with buttons inside the house. And she realizes that there, uh, the guy is once again waiting for the seven victims so he can have another wish because it seems his first wish did not go the way he had planned. And uh, that's kind of where the story takes us. So Joe, Hellraiser 2022, what did you think of this one? Yeah, this, uh, man, I got, I got some things to say about this one. You know, I, I like the Hellraiser franchise. You know, I, I don't, I certainly don't love it. I feel like the first two are fantastic. After that, that it it definitely it tends to drop off it has its highs and lows there's some really there's some real stinkers in there in the middle i actually did like the one with paul taylor um which i think was called revelations maybe i can't remember it was but uh that one i actually kind of liked um and i was kind of looking forward to a sequel with that one never came about that's okay we get this one instead this one's kind of i guess you could call it a reboot i suppose and overall, I enjoyed this one. I thought this one was definitely the best one since the second movie, for sure. There's a lot of interesting stuff here. You know, I thought the Cenobites all looked really cool. I loved the designs of all of them. It was different. You know, they didn't try to exactly copy the original, but like was close enough that, you know, you're like, okay, like they look similar, but kind of did somewhat of their own thing plus like they did some really like extra cool things with the torture and stuff like this i, I do think they they could have went more like i think they could have went crazier for sure like that first like the first couple movies there like i think they definitely could have notched up on the gore i think they kind of held back a little bit which was a little disappointing where this movie definitely lacks though is for sure the story like i feel like it drags at times i feel a big problem is our main character being 
pretty unlikable. Like she's not really like a great person. Like I understand like she's trying to recover, but she keeps falling back out. Like, which is like interesting, right? Like um, in its own sense, but like, I don't know. Like it just, it, it was a weird, she's pretty, she's a pretty shitty person most of the time. So it's kind of hard to root for her. You know, I, I, I caught the twist like a mile away with the boyfriend character there. Like I knew that was coming like all day. I thought it was so predictable. Yeah. I, you know, I liked the, the main guy or the creepy dude who kind of like lived in the walls there <laughs> that was hiding. Like, I felt like that was pretty obvious too. Like, you know, he didn't die like in the beginning there. I felt that. So I just felt like the story was cer- certainly lacking. Like I felt it was pretty predictable, not super interesting, but the Cenobites make up for it because when they're on screen it's great there's definitely some good gore scenes they could have did more for, for sure but overall i thought this was um pretty cool and i got a few other things to say about let you go steve yeah i agree i feel the same way about the hellraiser series i like some of the first ones and i like some of the titles in them i find some other titles are overly too complicated and uh, just go a little bit too crazy but this one uh, held back a little bit kind of you know, rebooted the franchise. It really felt like it was rebooting the franchise, which was both something good and bad about this one. Uh, you know, the story is interestingly both really simple yet very complicated uh, because they're trying to reintroduce all of the rules of the puzzle box and the Cenobites, what their deal is, you know, kind of trying to bring everything to a new audience. And that kind of slows the movie down for people who've seen the other Hellraiser movies, and that's kind of a problem. I agree with you. I didn't like the hero characters at all. So when I don't like the hero characters, I don't care about their fate. And that's a problem when you're watching a horror movie if you don't care about the fate of the heroes because it's like, eh, they die, whatever. You know, it's just... I was actually excited to see them die, to be honest, because when the Cenobites would come into play and you would start seeing kind of the body horror that they had and... It would show the way that they would kill the characters over the look of, you know, over the course of the film. That was the highlight of the film for me is when the Cenobite showed up and killed the victims. Uh, I actually felt gypped when they would take that away from us. For example, the woman who worked for like the main guy, I forget his name. Um, You see her six years later and she's got like stage four cancer and she could barely breathe and stuff like that. And the Cenobites, it's one of the first people we see getting killed by the Cenobites, but they take that away. They just cut before she gets killed. And that sucks. Like, why not show that? It's That's what we're watching these horror movies for, you know, it's to see the kills, right? That's usually what we're in there for. So stuff like that kind of bothered me. And I just wasn't as invested into everything outside of the Cenobite story, which is another problem. But when the Cenobites were in, I thought they were great. Like you said, they had their unique looks, but they didn't try to reinvent the wheel with it either. They were like familiar, but new at the same time. Now, obviously we have characters that we've seen before in some iteration, uh, the chatterer, uh, we, of course, pinhead, which I think in this one's called the priest, uh, isn't called pinhead. We just know that character's pinhead and it's played by someone new, uh, Jamie Clayton, which was very controversially, uh, played by a woman. And to me, that didn't like do anything. I thought it was fine. You know, like it didn't, affect the movie either way i thought it was a good character uh, i like the creepy voice that she had i thought it added a lot actually but it wasn't like that big a deal to me that they changed that character uh, the pinhead character was always meant to be 
kind of both genders and no gender at the same time. So it really doesn't matter who plays that character. I thought they did a good job of it. And that goes for all of the Cenobites. Uh, I really liked the design of the Cenobites. I liked when we'd start seeing new ones and stuff like that. Now, of course, there are issues, and I'm sure that's part of what Joe is going to talk about. Some of the plot points I thought like were a little weak, like how did that Cenobite get stuck between two doors when there was clearly a ton of room for them to get out? <laughs> uh, just little kind of nitpicks, but I'll let Joe uh, start giving some of his, uh, I guess, points. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, first I want to say Jamie Clayton definitely was so really solid as Pinhead. I mean, obviously horror fans are always going to be like, well, Doug Bradley, Doug Bradley this, Doug Bradley that. But, you know, I mean, sometimes you got to pass the torch. You know, they're not always going to be there. And I think even Doug Bradley gave his seal of approval uh, on Jamie Clayton. You know, I mean, Doug Bradley is no spring chicken. Could he still do it? Absolutely, probably. But, you know, you know, it was cool to see a different iteration of, of Pinhead here. And I thought she for the most part killed it i love the way they distorted her voice i thought that was really cool like really creepy i love like how she took the pins out of the the head and shit like that and kind of used it and so i thought that stuff was all great um yeah i mean where it com comes back to for me is just like the story like i mean in a lot of ways they kind of ripped off 13 ghosts uh here you know like they it was so weird the house thing was really bizarre to me um, that he like built it to kind of like trap the Cenobites and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, but like they've, this has been done before, <laughs> you know? So like, I was like, okay, like I, that's kind of bizarre. I, I wasn't really feeling that whole thing. And like, it just, I don't know. Like it just, it, I just didn't think it was all that uh, interesting. I think they could have did something like cooler with that guy. And I really like that actor. Um, I can't remember. I know from ER best, um, you know, I know he's done a bunch of other stuff too. And I, I mean, I like that actor and I think they could have done more with him. Like yeah, the story to me, it's just like, to me at the end of the day, it just all comes down to the story. And it was just, this could have been like one of the better movies of the year. Had this been like a really solid story to go with the great design of the Cenobites and some pretty cool imagery and gore. But yeah, it just it just unfortunately missed the mark on one of the main most important parts of the movie. So so what do you think of the kills and stuff like that in the in the movie that we actually got to see? And specifically, I'm curious, do you think the chatterer should have counted as a victim or like why I didn't realize that the Cenobites would be into play, you know? Yeah, that was that was kind of weird to me too. I, I thought that was kind of cool. It was kind of unique and interesting that like, you know, this but I feel like the Cenobites shouldn't be able to be defeated. Like, you know what I mean? They're f f like from hell. So I don't understand like how really they can be killed. Like that's kind of the scary thing about them. Like once they come, like you're fucked. And I honestly like I I the sequels all kind of like blend together after the first two. So I don't know if they've introduced that in any of the other movies. You know, like I said, I'm not like a super well-versed in the Hellraiser franchise. So I don't know if they've introduced that in another movie, but I really did not, I didn't love that aspect here. I mean, I thought it was like interesting, but I didn't love it. So that was disappointing. I, overall though, I thought all the kills they did show were really cool, especially like, I mean, maybe it's not a kill, but like that scene at the very, our very last image we see in the movie, I thought was really cool and really interesting and really makes me want to see a sequel like after seeing like oh okay like where do we go from here type thing like is he gonna be the new cenobite 
which I assume is kind of like what we are to assume based on that last uh, frame we see in the movie, which I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you think of the kills overall? I, I liked them. I think they were gory. I liked the body horror that some of the kills kind of showed you. And uh, I really liked also when that guy shows kind of how things went wrong for him in the past, you know, why he became kind of the way that he, like his form that he was throughout the kind of second half of the movie. And I love that transformation at the end into what I'm also assuming is a Cenobite. Uh, that was definitely kind of the highlights in the movie. And the design of the Cenobites were also really creepy and good body horror. I like the, the way that they did those as well. Uh, there was some really unique designs, but also familiar, like we talked about before. Uh, I like like the kill of the car I thought was really cool. And yeah, I, I dug it. But I, I also agree that killing of the chatter rubbed me the wrong way. I I don't know. I, I really feel like the Cenobites should have been off limits for things like that or at least not counted towards one of the victims. I'm also bummed that we're not going to see the chatter again, unless we will, but I hope so because that's one of my favorite ones. It's just like a, such an iconic Cenobite that, you know, I don't know that, that they should have killed that, that one. And something about Pinhead that I really liked is it was actual pins as opposed to like nails, right? From uh, the original Hellraiser. So kind of lived up to the name more, even though they weren't called the Pinhead in this, they were called the priest. So I thought that's interesting as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, what did you think of? Did you catch on to the boyfriend being like part of the whole like master plan there with our our main villain guy there? How he he was hired essentially to, I guess, befriend or get into a romantic relationship with this girl in order to get her i guess uh yeah. to you know get into this box essentially to find uh, yeah. a puzzle box I, I saw it coming i'd say like midway through the film like when they were at mm -hmm. the house and stuff like that but having rewatched it because i didn't remember it super well because i had watched it like weeks ago uh, i watched it again today and um you do see that he's in and on on it from the beginning you know how he makes them go to that warehouse and specifically right. steal what essentially is the puzzle box, right? So, yeah, I mean, they planned those seeds really early, but I only caught it, I'd say, midway once they actually got all to the house at the same time there. So, yeah, and I don't like that either. It just, eh, I don't know, it seemed a little yeah. far-fetched to me. Too convenient, like, yeah. you know, and I, I mean, I thought the puzzle box was awesome in this movie, though. Like, it, it was way cooler than I remembered it in some of the other uh, iterations of the franchise. Like, it was really its own character in a lot of ways in this movie, the way it moved and the way it came out and stuff like that, the way it absorbed the blood and stuff. I thought it was really, really cool, really awesome. That first kill, too, was really cool, too, when the guy goes in um, when they're having that eyes wide shut style sex party going on uh, there i thought uh, that intro was really cool so yeah no, no anything else steve before we get going no, no not really uh you know i i did really like the movie I, I thought there are a lot of good things about it but i feel that there are some things they could have done better and it wasn't a deep film you know um sometimes when we review these movies you know we have some really deep discussions about meanings and stuff like that i felt this was pretty straightforward film but like i said it was weird it was this weird thing where it was like too simple but too complicated at the same time 
simple concept, very complicated execution is how I would best describe it. Also very convenient how she has all this material that explains everything. So there are constant exposition dumps throughout the film where they just stop the action so she can explain the history of the Cenobites and how the box works and all that stuff, which was very convenient uh, that she knew like basically everything through material that was so easily available to her. Um, but still, overall, I think I enjoyed it. So yeah, th that's all I have for the movie. Right. I would rate this like a 6.5 out of 10. I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was a solid film, but not one of my favorites of the year. And I did watch it twice for the review. Had it not been for that, I don't know if I would have watched it again. Uh, I really have no desire. It's It was good, but it's not something that I'd want to pop in again. You know, Maybe if there's a sequel, I'll watch it again just to kind of refresh myself. But other than that, it's just, it just came and went and that's it. Yeah, for me, like, uh, you know, I thought it was the best since part two, which says a lot. I mean, because there's a lot of movies in this franchise. You know, they did something a little different, you know, with the female pinhead and all that. I thought that was all really great. I think with a better story, like I said, this could be a better movie. And that's why I am excited that, uh, for that to see a sequel and i think we probably will see a sequel from the for this uh franchise uh or this new reboot iteration here so and i'd be down for it because i i liked pretty much everything else other than the story so i think if they can improve that i think we are on our way to potentially the hellraiser franchise returning to its early glory and i mean i think that's what we all hope for as horror fans so overall i'm gonna give this one a seven out of ten i thought it was pretty solid could have been better absolutely but decent pretty good for what what we got yeah it's crazy that this is another disney production you know between prey and now hellraiser uh hmm. it's just crazy to me that disney's making all these horror franchises <laughs> uh come back to life all right absolutely mm -hmm. uh all right well i think that pretty much wraps it up for this week um steve any parting words for our halloween episode or the Henri cats event we just did any last thoughts you know it's just so surreal uh, i'm still processing a lot of it like we just came back from it basically and i'm sure we'll have stuff to say over the coming weeks and months uh if you go on the hangout like i said for with our discord for the movie club I'm sure I'll have more to say about it and kind of give kind of exclusive feedback to to them. But it was such a great event. And again, I can't thank everyone that helped and everyone that showed up and all the listeners. It just, it was an incredible weekend. And just want to wish everyone a super awesome and safe uh, Halloween. You know, this is the holiday for, you know, podcasts like us. It's, this is our day that, I mean, we live it all year round, you know, but this is the actual day that, we can kind of do all that spooky stuff and uh, everyone joins in with us. So I wish you all the absolute best Halloween. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Happy Halloween, everyone. We hope you've had an amazing spooky season. Thank you so much to everyone that came out to our both of our events. We actually had I saw at least one person that came to both of our events, uh, which was awesome. Uh, our Damien. So, and once again, a massive thank you to both of our guests. We had uh, Damien Maffei and Omri Katz. They were both uh, amazing. So we really appreciate that. And Hopefully the October's to come and and on. We're gonna have more amazing events for you guys. So definitely 
keep uh, keep on with the podcast and our social medias, and we'll keep you guys up to date with everything. But that is going to be it for our Halloween spooktacular episode. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, the best way, the absolute best way to keep up with our podcast is our Discord completely free. All you have to do is send us a private message on one of our social medias, and we will get you that special link to join the Discord. A bunch of fellow horror fans and listeners, we talk everything. We have book clubs. We have movie clubs. We talk everything and everything, not even just horror. We talk just a bunch of random stuff over there. So it's it's definitely fun and join a great horror community over there. Do not forget to stay tuned for our interview with Mina Savari and Kevin Lewis immediately after my little spiel here. But also you can get in touch with us, email the horror squad podcast at gmail.com. If you uh, want to maybe hook up with us, maybe, you know, you want to do an event with us. We would love to collaborate with people as well. So we're, we're never don't, we never shy away from anything. So feel free to email us. And I think that's really it guys. Once again, happy Halloween and stay tuned for the interview. Enjoy. All right. See ya. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to the horror squad podcast, where today we are joined by two very special guests, Their new movie, The Accursed, is now available in select theaters and also video on demand. Please welcome actress Mina Savari, and also please welcome back to the show for his second time, director Kevin Lewis. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. How are you both doing today? Thank you for having me. Thank you. Awesome. So Kevin, why don't you start out by uh, telling the listeners a little bit about The Accursed and what it's all about. Okay, um, so yeah, the story is about a young nurse who gets a phone call. Um, her, her mother died, and um, she's kind of grieving, and she gets a phone call to be a caretaker to this older woman, um, and she takes the job to try to get the whole thing with her mom off her mind, and uh, she finds out later that it was all planned. There was a little diabolical plot going on, so yeah. All right. Awesome. And uh, Mina, can you tell us a little bit about your role in the film and how you got involved and how it was to work with Kevin as your director? Oh, God. Amazing. I mean, would you say that almost a little bit of a mastermind in a way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, Alma, she's just a woman scorned with a broken heart and (laughs) looking for some hope. Um, And she's just all out of control and (laughs) doesn't doesn't work out in her favor. Um, but I, I've been a huge fan of this genre my whole life. And I was just really excited based off of that. And obviously Kevin, um, and it, it felt like one of the more intense scripts I've ever read uh, and this type of role, but I was also just as excited to accept that challenge, so. Now, Kevin, this film is is quite the juxtaposition from your last film, Willie's Wonderland. As a director, do you have to get into a, a different mindset when doing, you know, a more serious horror film like this, as opposed to the craziness that was Willie's Wonderland? You know, it's interesting. I mean, every movie is its own, you know, you know, its own unique. Uh, I always look at films as like snowflakes. Everything's everyone's different, right? So. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like, yes, you have to have the sensibilities of it, but it's what the narrative, you know, needs, what it calls for. So this this had some similarities in Willie's and the fact that 
it was, you know, it's got some fantasy elements and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. I was definitely trying to make a more of a grounded movie, more of a kind of a movie that dealt with some more serious issues than beating up animatronics. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and I was just excited about the characters and the whole, the themes of the, the, the mothers, you know, since the mothers visiting to their daughters, you know, that, that really, uh, uh, really got me excited about telling the story and about regret and grief. Um, so yeah, all that combined. Um, and I was just excited to do a different side of me on this movie. Um, you know, for me as an artist, you know, to me, you always want to push yourself and, and challenge yourself. And I want to do a little more darker, sinister movie. And I thought this was just the perfect one to do, do it with. And of course, working with Mina, she was the perfect, uh, person to work with on making this movie happen. Just like Nick was with Willie's, Mina was instrumental on this film. So thank you so much again, Mina. Oh my God, I adore you. <laughs> I just love how our first talk was really about life, you know, and that that's what was so beautiful. Yeah. It wasn't about like, okay, like this is what he need from you and like the money and the budget and, the da -da 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 and like all this stuff yeah. that's there all the time. It was just yeah. like, He's such a great person. <laughs> I mean, you know, I knew that that was just a win from the beginning. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, Mina, I, you know, I heard you say that you were a fan of the genre and obviously you're no stranger to the genre as you've been portrayed quite a few roles. One of my personal favorites was your role as Elizabeth Short in American Horror Story. You know, what makes working uh, in the horror genre unique as opposed to other genres? Uh, gosh. I mean, I don't even really know why I'm into all this stuff. <laughs> I fully don't know why. Um, I remember doing a talk show once and I was talking about the book I was reading and it was, I think it's called Men, Maggots and Murder or Murder, Maggots and Men. She's <laughs> like, why are you reading that? Like, who are you? You're 20? I've just always been really fascinated by this. I don't know. I guess it's just, um, I don't know, the meeting of the world, you know? It's very real to me. Um, I felt like, I mean, I, I try to be very open and very receptive. I live my life very strangely Aquarian spiritually, but I just try to be very open to what comes my way. And I feel like I learned so much about myself through others. And I mean, this was just one of those moments. I was kind of like, wow, this is probably one of the most shocking things I've read. And they thought of me for that. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, but then there's just this part of me that's like, but I want to do that. And I don't really know why. <laughs> Just, um, I mean, again, it's so important to have that foundation. And Rob Kennedy gave us incredible material, um, real meat to work with that I feel like separates this film from a lot of films in the genre. But, um, and so you have that at the heart of this and really with Alma, it's just loss and her intense, you know, manic, um, you know, uh, expression of trying to control it and make it into what it never will be. Um, yeah, and I feel like those are 
intense themes we can all relate to, but um, I don't, I don't quite know. I feel like uh, it's, 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 it's a way to express those parts of oneself. I have this other through line with me, which is playing all these real people, which is very weird. So the whole like Elizabeth Short thing, that was, you know, very different in and of itself because, you know, I'm always trying to bring some kind of truth and justice to it. And there's so much pain and sadness around that story. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so they're all like unique in, in their own way, but um, I guess it's just, it's just so interesting. I mean, everything about it, you know, I mean, Alma and just working with Kevin and these locations and these sets and everything that was made. I mean, uh, maybe that's just more exciting than like, I don't know, doing just like a regular, you know, like rom-com or something like that's, I loved when we got to go into this, the cinema school for makeup and doing headcasts and I got to see all of the demon parts being made. Like, I love that. That's why I do what I do. That's what I love about it. So. Mm -hmm. I, I, think, I think horror though, too, you guys, you can, it's a genre, but it's a, there's many sub genres, right? So you got like psychological yeah. horror and then body horror and like, you, you know, and this is a very dramatic piece, right? So it's a real drama at the end of the day. It has, it's horror, has horror elements, but it is about these characters and what's going on. So I think that's what's kind of the, the attraction to horror is just you can play in a sandbox on so many different levels, right? You're not, whereas like a rom-com is like, that's what it is. It's a rom-com. And if you, if you do like a horror rom-com, but, but it's horror, you know what I mean? But like, but horror is like, you can make horror rom-com, horror, you know, horror comedy, horror action, horror sci-fi, alien, right? All this stuff, but all these other genres, it's like rom-com is a rom-com, you know what I mean? So that's what's fun about horror, I think. It's like, you can just add it to so many different genres, you know, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Now there, going going back to the occurrence, there there are some really solid scares uh, in this movie, and I, I'd like to hear you know from the both of you, what do you think makes a scare most most effective when in a horror movie? You know, especially you, Kevin. You know, when trying to craft a scare as as a director, you know, uh, how do you go about you know making it the scariest? You know, it's kind of cool you asked that because um, when we started making this film. I would talk to all the the actors, the cast, and and Mina, and I'd say, hey, what what scares you, right? What, you know, because I am very into that whole psychological of, of the idea of like what makes someone tick, and something that maybe scares you doesn't scare me, right? And so what, right. what does that? I did that on Willie's too. Like, why why are we scared of these animatronics? Like, why is it, you know? And so with the cursed, I think religion, especially, you know, because everyone has a different, you know, opinion and a different backstory on where they were raised, you know, or what their beliefs are. So you're dealing with that. You're dealing with more like the cult and dark arts and the afterlife kind of thing. You're dealing with heavy subjects as suicide, you know. So it's funny, like Hereditary is one of my favorite horror movies in years. And that movie is dealing with a lot of grief from the get, right? And so that already sets you on that course. And so that's kind of what our movie is. You're dealing with a lot of that same thing and it sets you on that course. And I think it's, it's the human element, you know, um, even though that we're in this fantastical world of the witch and the cabin and everything, there's still that element of the, the, the being with a man and, and, and being scorned, right? Um, and 
uh, all those things that, you know, hum humans, we deal with all the time, right? With grief and regret and remorse. So I think that honestly is what really drew me to the project and what I wasn't really excited, interested in about the jump scares, you know, mm -hmm. cat jumping out at you, know, all that stuff. Like those to me are just kind of cheap, earn, cheap earns. I think you earn it by doing something more. What I was interested in this film is very moody, atmospheric tone. You know, uh, one of my favorite movies, of course, The Shining. And that one scene, remember, where Jack is just sitting at that window and just staring out into nothingness and the, the camera's just pushing on him. And it's like, that is so creepy and so scary. And it's Jack Nicholson with, you know, there at the window, right? But it, it just gets you thinking like, oh my gosh, what's going in his head? What's going on? That's what I was excited about with this movie. You know, when, when Alma says, you know, my, these things my mother taught, you know, taught me, and you're like, oh my God, what did she teach her? You know, are you ready to gaze into hell? And you think about, oh my gosh, the times that they were together and, and, and what she learned and things like that and starts getting your mind going, you know? So that's what excited me about this film, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that was especially scary in the movie was the demon. So, you know, I, I'd like to know more about the, the design of the demon, you know, who came up with it, who did the makeup for it. Um, so Dave McAdoo, great uh, visual artist, uh, are, um, you know, amazing, you know, artists. And, and we, we, we went together and we worked on the different looks of the demon. And so I like this and then this, that, and then we worked with Devin and cinema makeup school and kind of built the demon. And then Troy James played the demon. So it was a practical effect. And there was a person doing it. He's a contortionist and he's mm -hmm. just a wonderful guy and did such a great job. And so we wanted that real practical vibe for this movie. I, and that's the thing. It's like when I read the script, I knew what we were doing. I was like, okay, how do we pull off the demon? Because at the end of the day, you know, we have all these great movie monsters of Alien and, and, and Predator, right? And all these things. And it's like, how do you do, how do you make something that long, that long lasts that's kind of iconic? And we came up with the idea of making it Vanta Black, you know, um, which was cool. Um, and so uh, it's, it's, we, we, we did the color scheme of that. And I really wanted to see the, 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 the goo, right? And the kind of the other world, kind of embryonic fluid that this thing was born in because it's been in this woman and it's coming out. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of that stuff in the ending, yes, the demon's scary, but what's really scary and Mina can test to this, I believe is a woman being invaded that she doesn't give consent. And right, and if you think about this, this, this demon is coming out, it wants to go in. When it gets Sarah Gray, uh, you know, and it's, and it's there, or Alexis and stuff, it's, 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 it's basically, I think a woman's worst fear, right, Mina? I mean, you know, rape and things like that. Like I, to me, that's what I was thinking about when making this movie. It's like this, 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 other worldly person, you know, not even a person entity is, is coming in and it's invading you and you have, and you can't stop it. And there's nothing you can do. That is very scary, you know, because it's not a person, it's not human. It's this otherworldly, it's this entity. And at the end of the day, it's the fears of the demons in our lives that have manifested into this physical form. And it's going to take you over. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you know why? Because you haven't faced your demons. So now the demons have overcome and taken you. And that's what I think was very powerful about this movie. Terrifying. No. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, we're running out of time. So unfortunately, because I, I could talk to you guys all day about the oh, movie and <laughs> about horror in general. But before I uh, let you guys go, um, is there any other uh, projects you guys have coming up uh, you'd like to promote or anything else in general? Yeah. Oh, I have a film called Breakwater uh, coming out, The Dresden Sun and Reagan. I've got a movie called Oak that I'm in post right now. And that's a horror film. And I'm excited about that. So awesome. Well, we definitely look forward to seeing everything you guys got coming out and everyone make sure you go and check out the accursed, which is now streaming video on demand. Thank you so much guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Oh, you too. Bye. Guitar, or your sister could turn into a bat.